0: Welcome to Treehugger Radio. Today we're talking with a man who, in the pages of Treehugger, we've referred to as the Yoda of the environmental movement. Here's why. James Gustav Speth is the co-founder of the NRDC, founder of the uh, World Resources Institute, was chairman of the Council on Environmental Quality under Carter was administrator of the UN Development Program and dean of the Yale School of Forestry he's penned books including Red Sky at Morning The Bridge at the End of the World and he has a new one coming in September America The Possible Roadmap to a New Economy Mr. Speth we're so glad you're here
1: Well thank you it's a great pleasure to uh, to be with you Jacob
0: Wonderful and and most people do call you Gus don't they
1: uh, Everybody <laughs>
0: Uh, well, we'll do the same. And you, you probably don't like being called the Yoda of the environmental movement. Maybe the Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi of the environmental movement.
1: <laughs> well, all I can say is all those groups that you mentioned do better after I left.
0: <laughs> um, so I'll also mention that uh, your upcoming book is is a bit of a, a pivot for you focusing on environmental issues but also broader sociological social and and economic issues and uh, people who want a taste of that can look at the most recent issue of orion magazine there's an adapted quite lengthy uh, uh selection from the book there and there's a second part coming in the in the next issue um you open that piece with this argument that despite America's claims to supremacy, we're actually leading the developed world in many of the wrong things. Am I right?
1: Well, it's pretty easy to see. Uh, if you look at um, the sort of top 20 advanced democracies, and then you look at about 30 different indicators a did in the piece um, of uh, where the U.S. stands uh, uh, among these countries, what you find is that we're really right at the bottom uh, of the uh, of this group of uh, countries, our peer countries. Um, you know, we, we, are, um, we have the most inequality of uh, incomes, the most poverty, uh, the lowest social mobility, uh, the, the uh, worst treatment of children, uh, according to the UN's Index of Material Well-being of Children, the, the bottom of the UN's Gender Inequality uh, Index, uh, the healthcare uh, issues—I won't even uh, go into—but uh, you know the list goes on and on, including um, in, in the environmental area, which I know your listeners are particularly. Interested in? Uh, we have uh, the lowest score on the, this international environmental performance index, and the, the second largest ecological footprint uh, per capita uh, in the in the whole group. So this is uh, this is not a pretty picture. Uh, the, our country has uh, been sliding down towards the bottom of the OECD now for uh, for several decades, and uh, and meanwhile we have these inane debates in Washington about uh strange things, uh and um, and and nobody is really attending to these problems. So thank goodness for the Occupy uh movement which uh, you know has begun to put some of these issues uh, on, on the map again, where they certainly
0: belong interesting interesting um so obviously not to spoil the ending of the your articles and books, but uh what do you see as as what needs changing and and what are the major leverage points? Obviously, you think occupy is a significant point of leverage in changing this discourse
1: well, I certainly do uh, look when you've got. Encompassing problems when big, serious issues are popping up uh, across the whole spectrum of, of national life, whether it's environment or economy or society or in our politics, you know, it's got. To, it's got to be. Due, it can't be due to small reasons. There's, there's something fundamental wrong here. And, 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 and the reason you, you know, you began by saying that I, I've cast a broader net here than, than the strictly environmental one, and I, and, and that's precisely right because I think that. Uh, you know, we're only going to deal successfully with these problems over time uh, if we engage in the process of deep systemic change, transformative change in the nature of the political economy. We, we need basically a new system of political economy because the one that we're running on now. Our current operating system is uh, is giving us bad results across this whole front of issues, and and there, things we you know, haven't talked about yet, like the vast sums of money on the, the military and the uh, you know almost a thousand military sites that we maintain around the world today, and things like that. Uh, so the list does go on, and it's very troubling. And so we need uh, transformative change, uh, and. The good news is that there are people working in these various areas of transformation which I identify in, in the article There, there are people who are uh, trying to define what the corporation of the future should look like and to build those corporations from the bottom up. There are people who are working to transform our system of money and finance and uh, and get back to, to Main Street banking and away from Wall Street. Uh, there are people who are working on uh, on, on deep uh, change to try to uh, promote more social equality uh, and justice in our country, and consumerism, and and other big issues, and including this growth fetish, which we keep invoking for invoking growth as a solution to every every problem and you know it just doesn't deliver it doesn't deliver the economy is actually back where it was before the recession and and we still have this vast unemployment out there and fifteen uh, percent of the country uh, can't find well you know real full-time jobs um, so you know growth isn't really the answer if we want to deal with these problems we just have to deal some more more directly with them and on the environmental front look at it this way i mean how can we make sustained progress on environment uh, when, you know, almost half the country is just getting by. I mean, almost half the country lives within twice the poverty threshold. Uh, you know, studies have been done about the failing of the middle class and how vulnerable a vast, you know, 40% of America's families uh, are uh, today. And, uh, and and with all this vast uh, insecurity, economic insecurity, uh, it's very hard to, Get real sustained attention on environment and uh, uh, and then you know politically, if we don 't save our failing political system uh, we 're going to keep losing on the environmental front uh, as well and um, so, so there, uh, my overall Message to those who are concerned about environment is that we've got to form a broader agenda uh, together with other progressives and and build a, a mighty force in our in our politics from the grassroots up and, uh, and and get serious about politics get serious about candidates running candidates get serious about raising political money uh, as long as we don't have public financing uh, and uh, and and really. Um, uh, take on the system, and and to me, uh, that does mean protesting. It does mean demonstrating. It does mean nonviolent uh, civil disobedience on occasion. I uh, ended up uh, spending three days in the central cell block of the D.C. jail. Uh, 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 not too long ago, in August, uh, protesting the um, the Keystone XL pipeline. Uh yes, uh, this
0: was with Bill McKibben and uh, and 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 uh, many other very very prominent scientists, activists, policy people, right?
1: Well, they yes, and we were the sort of first wave, and they mm. thought that they could discourage the next two weeks of uh, of protest by. Treating us uh, to the full, the full Monty. So uh, we we ended up in in uh, in the jailhouse for uh, two nights and three days with leg irons and all kinds of other things. Uh, it, was, it was quite a scene. But it did just the opposite. I think uh, by the time the protests were over, thousands of people had been uh, been arrested.
0: Oh yeah, and the Keystone XL—that was the turning point that put it directly into the crosshairs, and it's an issue that continues to to bubble over and is far well, from resolved. It, it, it seems. Is, well,
1: that's right. It is moved from being looking like we were winning uh, to looking a bit like uh, maybe too close to call, or even worse. Uh, it's in a maybe as we uh, in this in this week before the senate i don't really know what what might have happened precisely today or yesterday
0: you but, know you uh, met, you, you yeah. mentioned this uh sort of uh growth fetish and and i think a lot of the argument that you're constructing here is based around uh, around this and 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 trying to kind of redefine the relationship between quality of life and happiness and fulfillment in a healthy society in the way that we quantify what a healthy economy looks like on the on, on the spreadsheet level so can you just talk to us a bit about about that relationship economic growth quality of life gdp how do you Propose to redefine that relationship.
1: Well, you know, if there's one area of transformation, that is probably uh, riper than almost any of the others that I was listing a moment ago. It's the it's the need for new indicators of national well being. Uh, you know, in 1968, Robert Kennedy gave his uh, great speech, his last speech, I think, uh, yeah, and uh, in, in which he uh, just pointed out the. The, the total uh, misleading nature of uh, uh, of GDP as a measure of, of well-being and progress and, and and we've known for a long time that this was a terribly flawed uh, measure and people have tried to uh, make some corrections uh, of GDP, you know, to take out uh, the, the negative things in there that uh, that are added up along with the positive things and uh, and make some other adjustments and, and come up with something that uh, that has been called a genuine progress indicator. It's a measure of economic, a sustainable economic well-being, uh, rather than GDP. And if you look at it, well, it's flatlined uh, for decades now. Uh, so GDP per capita has been going up, but this genuine progress indicator hasn't been going up. Uh, we're really no better off. Uh, uh, and of course, wages have flatlined too, also uh, during that um, during that same uh, uh, period. And meanwhile, we, we simply uh, you know keep invoking um, uh, the, the you know this growth fetish to try to solve all our problems, and it uh, it just doesn't. We've had uh, if you look over the past several decades; we've had tons of growth, actually, uh, in GDP and GDP per capita. Uh, and uh, during that time, uh, life satisfaction flatlined in the country, uh, jobs fled our borders, inequality mounted, poverty mounted. Uh, and the environment declined sharply, and you know we we need to deal with these issues, but uh simply turning uh, you know, turning to growth to do it is not going to solve the problem uh, and uh, there are a lot of ways to do you know to address these issues uh, other than that
0: but but you are going to get the new ipad right i mean that would that would make you happy. <laughs> No, um, no. So I want to talk about how this fits into the the left right political divide. Let's say uh, I think a lot of what you're describing is pretty easy to swallow for politically left leaning people. But what about the conservative base in America? And you and you mentioned Occupy as uh, a force that's that's pushing an agenda for the first time in a long time that, that asks really these fundamental questions. But that's a very divisive presence. How do you, or is it important to you that these sorts of issues be something that both left and right can relate to? And do you see common ground here?
1: Well, I, I think that the right in our country has moved uh, so far uh, to the right uh, that uh, that things that uh, you know that, that there that there's not a you know when you've got a huge portion of the uh, of, of the right uh, basically rejecting um, climate science uh, and, and doing anything about uh, the horrendous uh, problem uh, you know I, 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 so I'm trying to aim a little further down the road uh let's develop an understanding of what it really is going to take to solve these problems uh and in the meanwhile uh you know and, and begin to build that that force and uh i i think one thing the tea party does show is that you can go uh from protest uh to movement to power uh pretty quickly and um, I think that, uh, we need a progressive, uh, uprising, uh, in the country. Uh, the progressive communities have not sort of come together in the way, uh, that the right has come together, frankly. And, uh, and we need the environmentalists to be part of that. Um, I think the, so part of the next article in Orion that will be out in the, in the, ne- in, in the, um, May, June issue, uh, is a, a plea f- to come together to start a process of political reform in the country, of pro-democracy political reform. Uh, that, to me, is, is sort of a priority number one because if we if we can't, uh, you know, uh, save our country from well, our politics, our democracy from all of this money, uh, and uh, from so many. Um, uh, glitches in the in the voting uh, process then you know then not much else is going to uh, going to be possible at the national level um, so I developed uh, a sort of an agenda of political reform uh, and uh, uh, and it's it's not uh, highly original other people have know these ideas as well of course but at the core of it is is a uh, is a campaign finance reform proposal. It has a good bit of support in the Congress, uh, to have a combination of small donor and uh government funding uh for uh for elections and um but there are lots of other things that need to be done uh to, to to, you know move but we have this creeping corporatocracy, this creeping plutocracy in the in the country and we we really got to to push back on that and and revitalize uh, real democratic processes in the country uh we're going to succeed, and I think that is an agenda that can engage uh more broadly uh than um uh you know than perhaps some of the uh ideas that are uh, that I'm also advocating. Uh, a lot of people sense that uh, that our politics is uh, badly out of whack and can come together to try to do something about it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I sort of get the sense that, at least in the way that you build your argument in the in in the Orion article that things are are sort of on a downward slope in a lot of these respects um but then again you know isn't ethical business booming and aren't millennials more concerned about big issues and deep values than previous generations, and then aren't citizens in a lot of ways more engaged in the political process via what Lawrence Lessig would call the read-write democracy or open-source democracy? How do you reconcile those signs of hope with these declining metrics of the overall Health of our democracy. Well, I
1: think there are a lot of hopeful signs, uh, and uh, as I said, there there is growing support for uh, for pro-democracy political reform, and, and including the uh, you know the, the the financing issues that I talked about. There is uh, a lot of activism uh, around uh, uh, the Rebuild the Dream uh, movement that uh, Move On and Van Jones and others uh, started. There's the whole Occupy. Uh, uh effort and the ninety nine percent movement and uh that people are active today in a way that uh is very encouraging, the labor protests um I think and uh and then, uh, you know, we shouldn't uh, overlook the, um, the really exciting things that are going on in communities, uh, because while we need to have a, a national efforts to deal with these big national problems, we also need to be building the future from the bottom up in communities around the country. And you see a lot of that going on with transition towns, revitalized communities, uh, special uh, efforts at, uh, at creating uh, new business models uh, that are uh, locally owned or co-op uh, models. Models um, and uh, and you know there's a very very exciting things going on around the country and you know uh, they are so you need this kind of pincer approach to, to social change where you're, you you're know, working at the national level to 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 change things but at the same time you're you're building these inspiring models uh, primarily at the uh, at the local level around the country.
0: A recent report the Southern Poverty Law Center put out found that hate groups are on the rise in this country. A lot of them are anti-government and and racially charged. Uh, We also have an increasing, a growing income and class gap in America. Do you you see this feeding into this vicious cycle? How do you make sense of these social trends?
1: Well, what I... (laughs) You know, if you look at um, the, all the discouraging things that are that are now truth about our country, and the fact that they are t- still getting worse in many cases, uh, you know, part of my sort of theory of change uh, in the book is that uh, is it is that it's uh, it's going to delegitimize the the current uh, system. Uh, you know, people are going to get so fed up, uh, that they're not going to take it anymore. And, uh, and, you know, so I think the, the, rather, the sort of flip side of, of things getting worse, uh, unfortunately, uh, the, 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 the only the bright thing about that is that it's going to lead, uh, I'm, uh, I would be willing to wager, uh, to a, uh, a, a real, uh, uh, Outcry uh, and the gathering of a movement for for deep change. Uh, so I, I think that um, the two things in that sense uh, are uh, are linked. We we will need a uh, we will need a broad social movement for transformative change, and uh, and and the conditions are going to be such that they're going to uh, delegitimize the system, and people will start demanding that. Uh, I think we'll, you know then there will be more traditional crises uh in the environment i 'm afraid uh, and uh, and more uh, traditional problems in the economy uh not delivering. And uh, these things will make people question, question, you know, whether we don't need to engage in more fundamental change, more deeper change in our country, and that's that's what I would expect to happen sooner or later. I would say this: uh, these deeper changes are not going to happen overnight. Uh, although political reform, I think, can come uh, more quickly, but uh, there are things that we just have to make the current system do, and do right away. Uh, and, and, and at the top of that list, uh, certainly from an environmental perspective, uh, is this climate issue. I mean, we are really approaching a, a point, uh, even according to the International Energy Agency, which is the rich country's energy drink tank, um, we're approaching the point where we're going to lose the opportunity to stop the build-up of greenhouse gases at a point that will keep the... Um, uh, the climate from warming uh, less than two degrees centigrade, and so we are at a very, uh, very end of the rope type uh, situation uh, on on climate, and uh, and uh, somehow we've got to uh, uh, get that issue back uh, front and center in our politics. Uh, you know, long before we've reinvented the the you know the way the system works. Yeah.
0: Any plans for engaging in any more direct action in the near future for you?
1: Well, uh, nothing specific yet.
0: <laughs> but it's not off the table. <laughs>
1: not off the table. I, I think you've got to, uh, you know, to some degree uh, at least uh, walk the talk. And um, I, I think it is a moment where, uh, where the... the um, you know, uh, protesting and demonstrating is, is uh, needs to come back, and uh, I think uh, uh, I'm a child of the '60s. I'm afraid.
0: <laughs> Gus Speth is a professor at Vermont Law School, founder of the World Resources Institute, and co-founder of the NRDC. His new book, coming in September, is "America: The Possible Roadmap to a New Economy." Mr. Speth, it's an honor.
1: Well, thank you so much.